Friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The very word vacation, I'm guessing for many of you, conjures up some happy feelings, some, some wonderful pictures. There's, there's a certain kind of magic in the word vacation, isn't there? What kind of pictures does your mind create about that word vacation? Maybe, I don't know, hiking in the mountains or in a national park, perhaps sitting on a beach, reading a book, maybe uh, going down a roller coaster or a water slide at a, at a theme park. Maybe for some of you it involves kids getting car sick in the back of the van. Maybe that familiar phrase, uh, are we there yet, right? Uh, vacation is a blessing, right, when, when God gives that to us and, and the health and the strength and the opportunity to enjoy vacation as one of his gifts. But does God ever take a vacation? Does, does Jesus ever set his cell phone to do not disturb so that he doesn't hear our prayer requests? Is, is there ever a time when you are truly left all on your own to figure things out because your Savior's gone off the grid for a while? <laughs> right? Well, fortunately today, as we continue studying our way through the, the truths expressed in the Apostles' Creed, what we're going to see is that Jesus' ascension into heaven does not mean that he's on vacation. We're going to see, first of all, it, it does mean his work of paying for sins is complete. That is, that is done. That is good news. But his work of working through us as his church in this world, it, it, that's not done yet. That's, that's just begun. And his work of carrying out his promises as he works in us and through us has only just begun as well. So are, are we there yet? I suppose you might say, well, yes and no. So today we're going to talk about this, this comforting but also kind of incentivizing truth um, that we mean when we confess in the Apostles' Creed and we say, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. You know, it's, it's uh, kind of the forgotten festival of the, the Christian church, isn't it? The, the ascension of our Lord. I mean, I think, I think we kind of give Christmas its fair shake, right? <laughs> Good Friday, that's kind of a big deal. We, we have special services. Here we have these special bilingual services. We, we, we change the, the school calendar day sometimes for it. We invite our community. Easter, I mean, we, we get out the trumpets for Easter. Uh, when, he's, when Mr. Ross is around, we get out the tuba, too, for Easter. I mean, like, it's Easter, right? But Ascension maybe doesn't always get its due from us. So today we're going to kind of try and do that a little bit, give, give Ascension its due, so to speak. So we're going we're gonna to turn our attention to uh, the opening chapter of the book of Acts. And we're going we're gonna to just kind of like dive into this, this conversation that Jesus has with with his apostles, his, his disciples, and other believers, the, the first believers in the Christian church, as Jesus gets ready to then ascend into heaven. So here is uh, the, the account according to Luke uh, in the book of Acts, kind of the continuation of his gospel. Um, Christ's work through his church, Acts chapter 1, 
Luke writes, in my former book, the Gospel of Luke, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Have you ever had somebody tell you to get your head out of the clouds? Remember a teacher telling you that maybe when you're in your desk? Get your head out of the clouds. Usually means something like, okay, time to focus, like, like time, to, time to settle in here, like, or time to get moving, it's time to go, right? And that's kind of what the, the angels, the men in white here, they're saying to Jesus' group of disciples who are like standing there, gazing up into the sky. Sounds a lot like, get your head out of the clouds, doesn't it? The implication being, Come on, guys, vacation's over. <laughs> like, let's go. There's work for you to do. So let's talk about that phrase in the Apostles' Creed. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. All right? So the ascension of Jesus, it, it took place 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead on Easter. Right, so 40 days after Easter, when, when God the Father on Easter put his stamp of approval on all that Jesus Christ did um, on our behalf, uh, he paid, truly paid, for the sins of all people, past, present, and future. Right, God was putting his stamp of approval on that completed work when we raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, and so the ascension that we just read about in the book of Acts is kind of like Christ's like, coronation ceremony if you will, like Inauguration Day, that's kind of a big deal, right? But for Jesus, coronation as the, the king of kings and the commander-in-chief of the universe, that's kind of the idea be, behind the, the sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, right? So big picture is the very one who humbled himself to such an extent that he was willing to suffer and die in the most lowly kind of way, right? 
he was in his ascension, exalted to the highest place in glory, right? That place at the Father's right hand where, where Jesus now takes his seat. Okay, so the Bible makes it clear in a lot of places that this, 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 this idea, this right hand of the Father Almighty, that this is, this is like a picture for us. It's a symbolic place um, where Jesus is now, as God, he, he takes up again the full use of his divine power, the, the exercise of his, of his authority, right? Like, he never gave that up. Jesus did miracles. He, he showed people glimpses of his glory, but while he walked here on this earth, he humbled himself. And in his state of humiliation, he endured all of the brokenness of, of sin in this world. He was willing to suffer and die and be buried, just like we deserved. But because he did that, he's exalted. And he's given this position of power and prestige, right? So it's kind of like if I had said, somebody is my, my right-hand man, right? Like, you would think, okay, this is somebody that pastors, you know, endorsing. He's allowing this person to kind of act on his behalf or to speak for him, right? So that's what it means. The position of power, and when it says that Jesus sat down there, it's because his work of paying for sins was complete, right? The hard work of paying for sin is complete which means that sin's been paid for. Your sin has been paid for. And so believe in Jesus, and you can truly be at peace with God. Right? You can truly have a, a right relationship with the God of the universe because of what Jesus has done. That, that's what it means that he, he sat down. Okay? But Christ's work now of, of ruling over all things for the good of those who love him, that's one of his promises, right? Christ's work of, of preparing a place for you in, in heavenly glory. Uh, Christ's work of, of interceding for you before the Father, night and day, because the one who, who unconditionally loves you, he knows your deepest needs. Right? And the one who now, he, he is at work providing for his church all that we need to carry out ministry in his name. Right? That work that work is very much ongoing. Right? The, work, the hard work of paying for sins is done. The work of him keeping his promises is still ongoing. And that's really good news when it comes to the work that Jesus says that he wants us as his church to do. So let's key in on this phrase where Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? So the ongoing mission of Christ's church in the world, right, which by faith in Jesus includes you and me, is to give witness to the, the, the name of Jesus and all that he's done to the, to the ends of the earth, right? Which if you think about where, where Jerusalem is on a, on a map like the other side of the globe, right? I think that uh, ends of the earth, like South America, Miami, Florida, like, like this qualifies as that, doesn't it? I mean, it just shows you the power of the gospel uh, to, to cross oceans, the power of the gospel to, to overcome culture barriers and language barriers and, and everything else that we think uh, gets in the way sometimes. God's 
word has the power to overcome all that, and, and we're proof, right? We're proof of the gospel's power to change hearts, to trust in Jesus, right? So what does that make us? Jesus says that makes us his, his witnesses, right? People who he wants to give opportunities in our lives to connect others to Jesus, Right? And no doubt, like from a human perspective, that, that, that thought, like this, this is who you are. You're not, like, you're not like waiting to like pass the class so you can be a witness, but you are one by virtue of your call to faith in Jesus Christ. Like that's, that's kind of a daunting uh, task, isn't it, to think about? At least it is when we tend to make it all about ourselves, right? And less about God's, God's promises and, and the power of the gospel message. So what does he say? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Okay? Friends, do you know Jesus? Do you know the comfort that comes from the fact that your sins have been paid for in full and you're at peace with God? Do you know the peace that comes from knowing that the very one who loves you unconditionally is in control of your future? Do you have the hope that comes from knowing that whenever you die, of whatever cause it might be, whether old age or something else, that everything's going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be better by far because you know that in that moment you'll be with the Lord in heaven 100%. That you will will be my witnesses, Jesus says. And he's not just talking about pastors and teachers, right? He's not just talking about people with a degree behind their name. He's talking about you and me, really, all of us, blood-bought souls, um, people who are part of the family of God by faith in Jesus. And to kind of take the pressure off a little bit, Jesus, Jesus says this in Luke 10. He says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. So this is just part of our Jesus' plan. He removed his physical presence from this earth because it's his plan from heaven to work through people like us as his messengers. And to, to be a witness is just simply to be somebody who actually trusts that the, that the gospel message of Jesus has the power that Jesus says it has to change a person's heart. A witness is somebody that just shares what they know because they know that the power of it all isn't in them but in the message that they get to share. And one of the cool things about the Apostles' Creed is it's all just kind of like summarized right there for us, right? To know the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus and what that means for you. That's what everybody on this planet needs to know and the implications of that for them forever. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit today, though, about kind of what I see as a, a trap. Um, I, it's right here in our text from the book of Acts. And I think the same trap that the disciples fell into is very much a trap for any of us in our world today. It's that, that question that the disciples asked Jesus before he ascended into heaven. Did, did you catch that? 
I'll read it again. It says, they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? As if to say, like Jesus, now would be a really good time, don't you think, to, to do something grand and visible and impressive and glorious in our day, in our time, right here in our, in our country. Don't you think? And, and this is where I, I think that a lot of Christian churches and Christians are right now in our world, right? And, and maybe in particular here in, here in our country. We're kind of spinning our wheels as the church of Christ. Because just like Jesus' disciples, we have this, this tendency to fall into the same kind of foolish hopes and notions that, that they had, Right? Like we're, we're waiting for something else to happen before we're going to actually go and be witnesses. Or we're waiting for uh, the right timing. Or this, like we're working perhaps in some cases, in, in our heads at least, for some kind of political restoration to happen. As if that were more important than actually doing the work of one-on-one sharing the message of our Savior with the people that we meet in our, in our daily lives and loving them where they're at. Right, or not our church necessarily, but we can fall into this trap, right, of thinking that uh, the mission of the church is pushing certain social agendas or activist causes as if that's what it's all about and why Jesus Christ died and called us then to be his witnesses. Huh? We can find ourselves, I think, sometimes just like you know, wistfully, like, like waiting for the, the winds of culture to become more favorable again to Christianity. You know, Pastor Carlos a couple weeks ago talked about how, you know, it's, it's, it's a different world now than it was just 10 years ago. And it feels like culture is shifting, and that's a little unsettling perhaps, a little scary. Um, but that's not, a, that's not a valid excuse to be lazy or to just sit around and complain about stuff or to villainize the very people that we are called to love and to serve in Christ. I guess bottom line, what I'm getting at is we're all tempted, I think, to confuse the kingdom of God with our own kind of earthly version of what we would like the kingdom of God to be, where we're just happy and comfortable. Or we're just waiting for God to do something before we're willing to step out and actually love another person so that we can share Jesus with them. So the disciples, again, they asked Jesus. They said, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And how do you respond? Basically, he responds by saying, well, that's, that's none of your concern. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Right? And then, then Jesus tries to refocus them on what they should be concerned about. And really what we should be concerned about, too, he says, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, time and again, time and again, Jesus had to remind his disciples that the kingdom of God was not going to be some kind of earthly, glorious, grand political institution some, some earthly kingdom or empire. It wasn't going to be some place where he would come to just make Christians feel comfortable and, and you know, kind of copacetic with everything. Like, 
That's not the kind of king he came to be. Um, He never meant for his kingdom to be thought of as some kind of earthly thing. But rather, the kingdom of God is that that place in, in a person's heart where by faith Jesus rules through the gospel, where King Jesus gives peace, peace through the forgiveness of your sins, until that day when he comes back as the judge of the living and the dead. More on that next week. But until that day comes, the ascension helps us to just be mindful of and and comforted by the fact that Jesus, Jesus isn't on vacation. So again, where where did Jesus go? What is he doing, right? In, In the Apostles' Creed, we say he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So again, that comforts us because it reminds us that that the work that Jesus came to do here on this earth, it's done. And that's what Jesus meant on the cross when he cried out, it is finished, right? I've done it all. Salvation is yours. But now the work that he calls us to do and and the work that he promises to do through us, the promises that he's going to keep for us, that's ongoing until the day when Jesus comes back. And so we have God's promise now that even when we are enjoying moments of vacation, God be praised, right? Even when we are asleep at night, he's, he's not. He's, he's at work. He who neither slumbers nor sleeps, that's the one who watches over us. Right? He knows what he's doing. The challenges that that you and I face in this life, they don't take him by surprise. And he's in control of them all. And no matter how crazy it gets out there in the world, or in your classroom, or, or wherever, the truth of the Apostles' Creed is that Jesus is still at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And wouldn't it be kind of cool if you could just remind yourself of that truth when you're just like, your heart is freaking out and you're worried about something and you're stressing about something, just say, you know what? Jesus is still at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The one who loves me unconditionally is is the very one who's in control of all the circumstances that I'm going through right now. And the one who loved me so much he went to the cross is not going to allow me to fall and to fail through this, but he's going to use this in love for my eternal good. And, And even... If it ever appears in your life, friend, that that all seems lost, I think we can confess with the Apostle Paul, who also said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Right? His heavenly kingdom. And finally, finally, that's where in heaven we will experience the, the ultimate victory. And, and the glory that we, you know, our hearts long for even now, but we only, only have by faith. But one day, by sight, we will see what Jesus has accomplished for us and through us. And so until that day comes, Jesus wants us to remember this, that we are his witnesses, right? You and I, we've been called to witness to other people in the name of Jesus. But I, I know I've been going on here today, but I don't mean to overcomplicate it. All right? Because this is meant to be totally doable. 
so where to start? Well, I'm just going to say one thing about where to start. And this is as simple as I can put it. Love local. Okay? Love local. I mean, it's okay to think global, right? I mean, Jesus, Jesus said, uh, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But if you're thinking, where do I start? Just love local. That's what the first Christians did too. Right there in Jerusalem. Right? By loving local, God gave them opportunities to share the love of Jesus locally with the people whose lives they were invested in. All right? So Christian friend, you can, you can spend all your time reading the news and being concerned about what's going on out there in the country and complaining about things and wishing for things to happen. But don't miss the opportunity that God's given you right in life to love local. Be as concerned about what's going on in the life of the person next door to you as you are about what's going on in the political scene in our country at large. Because in that love for somebody else and the details of their life, God's just going to give you the most natural opportunities to talk about what it means to know Christ. Right? The peace, the hope, the joy that comes from the one who lived, died, and rose for you and for us all. Do you know that peace? Do you have that hope? The courage to face the anxieties of this world because of what Christ has done, that's your hope to share. I think Pastor Carlos said it pretty well a couple weeks ago. How, how do I do that when that moment comes? And he said, just, you know, tell your story. And I think that's as simple as thinking about the, the Apostles' Creed, really. What does it mean for me that I know, believe, and confess that, that Jesus, he came into this world, he, he was born on Christmas, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and now he's in control of it all until that day he calls me home to heavenly glory. What in all that changes your life in such a way that it makes you realize, I've got something, something that can make a difference in my neighbor's life. So love local. And I believe, especially in this community, <laughs> that what's going to happen is we're going to end up loving globally too, global or whatever, right? Because what's God doing? He's bringing the world right to our community. So for us to love local is to take it to Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In those little moments to love a person right where they're at in the name of Jesus. So let's pray about that as we finish up. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for your ascension into heaven, which reminds us that although your work of paying for our sins is complete, you're still very much at work on our behalf, keeping your promises. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for preparing a place for us in heaven. Thank you for being with us to the very end of the age. And thank you for giving us your saving gospel calling us to be your witnesses. Lord, strengthen our feeble hearts. Make us strong to do your will. And help each of us this week to love local. And as we do, to look for opportunities to naturally speak about what makes you so wonderful. Amen.